just under this idea, if you will, of being taken into his care, being taken into his care. Uh, this is that kind of life. Marty uh, sometimes will joke, although I think there's some reality to it we all ought to think about. He always kids about that. He's trying to be nice to his kids because they're going to pick where he lives when he gets older. <laughs> and uh, a lot of us uh, face that. You know, really think about that. No kidding. Uh, when we think about uh, who we put our lives in the care of. Uh, some of us have family members that we've had to place in assisted living. And the real question is, what kind of care are they going to receive? Uh, or we've looked at that in our own lives uh, uh, with respect to the future to say, uh, you know, uh, before we place ourselves into someone's care, we certainly want to be um, aware of and believe that they have our best interest at heart. And uh, so I think one of the things that we're looking at here in this psalm is really this kind of life that we have by being in the care, if you will, of the Good Shepherd. I'm going to review here just real quick, just because you need this right here. One is we're taking into his care. It's personal. Whose shepherd is he? Oh, that was miserable. <laughs> My. Come on. Whose shepherd is he? There you go. Good grief. Uh, so it's personal. Uh, this uh, relationship being taken into God's care, it's a uh, personal. A uh, second on your outline, it, it's taken into his care. We begin with pause. We begin at pause of he makes me lie down. Uh, and I think as we've discussed that, I really uh, think this has really been an important point for my own life of, uh, of the fact of the Christian life or living for the, with the shepherd is a life of pause. Uh, the sixth thing, next thing is his provision. Um, he causes me to lie down into green pastures. And then he uh, provides me with still water. Uh, so there's provision. And then we've been uh, in this area here of taking into his care uh, participation. So I want to read the whole psalm here, but we're going to work up the, here at verse 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. And I ask you to, uh, New American Standard, I think ESV does the same thing. Uh, the word for there, or the uh, conjunction for, uh, suggests here's the reason about to follow now. The reason I fear no evil is for or because you're with me. The second strophe, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you've anointed my head with oil. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so I want to look at this here, again, taken into his participation. Uh, last week, um, i got to make sure here, uh, it, taken into this uh, uh, participation with us, we face the inevitable. What's the inevitable he's talking about there? Hmm? Well, we said the valley of the shadow of death. But I suggest to you last week that this translation may be more uh, about coming out of Pilgrim's Progress than that because it literally means a deep, dark valley, which often suggests what? Death. But it isn't limited to that. It isn't limited to that. It would be a, a, a mistake to say, well, the time that he's with me is at death. We know that to not be the case, right? That, that he's with us in the dark valley. And so we face the inevitable 
uh, as we uh, have life with this shepherd. And second of all, we declare the incredible. I want to suggest that this way. We declare the incredible. What is it? I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Think about that. Uh, this is Yahweh. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd, and he is with me. That's pretty incredible uh, to think about that the God of the universe, if you will, is my shepherd and with me. I think I probably told you this, but as I've gotten older, um, I think I was more ignorant than I am now. Uh, not saying I don't have some ignorance, but weren't we, weren't we rather full of ourselves and, and just kind of jump into God's presence? Hey, how are you doing? You know, I, I tell my students this. I, the older I've gotten now, when I am in with, this, with the shepherd, when I'm praying, uh, it's hard for me when I pray in public or other places like that. To, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not being, well, maybe a little bit, but not trying to be. Um, the, the idea of th this is Yahweh I'm talking to. I mean, I'm thinking, think for a second here. This is Yahweh the sacred name, the, the great God of the universe, and he's with me. When I pray now, I mean, I'm a little slower. <laughs> I'm a little slower to talk. I'm a little slower to engage. I'm a little bit more like this shepherd who is with me is Yahweh. I, is that, is that, has that started to happen to you some, that as you get a little older and you maybe get a little more aware of who we're dealing with here? That this shepherd is the great I am, the great Yahweh. So I, I just, when I see that, I think, man, this participation, this is incredible. To say, even when I'm walking through this dark valley of life, you're with me. This one who spoke the universe into existence, if you will. And so I fear no evil. I fear no evil because you are with me. That's the incredible. Now, I want to look here just for a second, and then uh, we're going to do some other stuff here. But this idea of evil, I will fear no evil. Uh, the word here, it's a, it's a short term in Hebrew. It's the, you can say it easily. It's the word ra, R-A. It just means bad. <laughs> uh, although it's interesting, I think, that the word that is used here when he says, I fear no evil or calamity or uh, judgment, if you will, at least it raises the question for me. I wrote in my notes, I will fear no evil because you're with me. But the word evil doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be spared from difficult things or bad things. A Christian still gets sick. A Christian sometimes lose their job. Christians still have difficulty and trouble. But we don't have to fear evil. Evil as it relates to an understanding of something that undoes us or challenges our life. When he says, I'll fear no evil. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. It doesn't mean that we don't go through deep, dark valleys. It doesn't mean that there aren't problems. But we don't have to fear evil. Jesus taught us that, right? He said, deliver us from the evil one. The evil one. I, it's fascinating to me. It's, it's not true in Hebrew or in Greek. Uh, but, you know, I, I, noticed, I remember the other day when I wanted to write something. I have like nine markers in here. <laughs> Do you like this new lighting up here? Does it make me look a little... <laughs> I don't know why they're doing this. But it is interesting in English, and I just try to say this, that I, that I don't have to fear evil because you're with me. Uh, this is true in English. It isn't true in um, 
Can't y'all read that? Yeah, this is secret writing here. Invisible ink. Well, just talk among yourselves there, smart Alex. Here we go. Please work. Ah, thank you. And it even looks better, doesn't it? With the lighting. Yeah. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> when, when, when David says here in the psalm, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. I want to again say this again. I, I don't think this means that nothing difficult will ever happen to us. I don't think that's anywhere close to that. That the idea of sickness or difficulty or problems. But he seems to be suggesting a particular issue here. That there is no evil that will destroy him or no evil that can change his status with the shepherd. And I've always been interested, my, my little mind, I don't know where I picked this up. I probably learned it somewhere else. But it's always interesting to me that when you spell it backwards, you got the word live. Isn't that interesting? Evil is not just difficulty or problems that we have. Evil is when life gets lived backwards. When you become God and he isn't. When you become the source of your life and he isn't. Whenever I decide that I have more knowledge than he does and he isn't. It is really this idea. Not that you're going to be spared from illness. Not that you're going to be spared from, from heartache. Or not that you're, you're going to be spared from difficulty. But you're going to not live life backwards. That you're going to not be taken in this respect to where you're now the source of your life instead of him. You're not the wisdom of your life instead of him. Does that make sense? That this is the idea that he's trying to communicate. You're with me. And I don't have to fear evil. I don't have to, I'm not, I don't have to live this backward life or fear that something can happen. Now, I want to suggest one other thing that has relates to this. That fear no evil. You're with me. That's declaring, if you will, the incredible. Um, this shepherd uh, uh, has promised, or in this matter here, he's with us. I wish you would just turn, not turn over in your Bible. You can't actually do that. that you have to get in it. No, not. Okay. I make my living with words. I'm sorry. If you turn in your Bible to Psalm 31, I always used to laugh when preachers would say that. Turn, turn over in your Bible. I want worship leaders say, put your hands together, and I do this. Too literal, yeah. Uh, over in Psalm 31, as I was working through this, I kept thinking about this idea that even in the midst of the dark valley, you're with me. But I've been around long enough, and so have you. It sometimes doesn't feel like that, does it? Sometimes it doesn't feel like somebody's with you. And I, I've always been drawn and attracted <clears throat> to Psalm 31. Psalm 31 here. Fear no evil, because you're with me. In Psalm 31, verse 22, David writes these words. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication when I cried. What's David feeling? Right there. Huh? Deserted? Cut off? Right? I said in my alarm, I'm in the dark valley. It's tough. Nobody likes it. I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. In other words, you can't even see me. You don't even see where I am. Nevertheless, the scripture says here, you heard the voice of my supplication 
when I cried to you. That's the testimony here. Not only will he keep us from evil, but even when we don't feel like it, he is there. Tell you a quick story, and then we're going to have a testimony this morning. John Wesley uh, was a truly great leader, and his revival in England, uh, really, some historians have even said, probably saved, if you will, England from going through a French Revolution. Uh, the revival that happened, he and George Whitfield, they worked together. They had some deep theological disagreements, but they worked together. And for many uh, years, they served together, and this revival occurred. Wesley was um, at, at, at 89 when he died, which was incredibly unusual in 1791 that anyone would live that long. And uh, as he is approaching death, he gets a cold in February and then uh, gets a fever and then he goes into the home that he was being cared for. And in his final days, he's surrounded by those who loved him and cared for him. And uh, everyone was interested with this great man of God in this difficult valley that he was in. What would he say? And many times they would say to him, Father Wesley, you know, you're our spiritual father. What, 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 what will you say to us? And there were times when he couldn't speak. But uh, 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 the, the account of Wesley's life makes this statement. That when Wesley was slipping away, his final words to the group, he, he said one word the day he died, and it, here it was, farewell. But the day before he died, the last full sentence that came out of his mouth was this. The best is this, God is with us. The best is this, that God is with us. He didn't have any feelings necessarily, but he said the best is this, that God is is with us. That's what the psalmist says. I will not fear the shadow of valley of death. I feel no evil because you are with me. Now, you know, when you uh, talk to people like I do uh, occasionally, there are people in our class who've gone through a dark valley. And I've asked Philip Rhodes if he'd come up here. He and I have been talking. He's going to come up here. And we're going to talk a little bit about the deep valley that Philip went through and how the shepherd was with him. So now y'all smile at him like you like him, okay? <laughs> He's a little nervous. He's a little nervous. And Philip and Lana have been in our class for a long time. How long? Four years? Just seems like 10, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm going to ask Philip. I've asked him. We've uh, talked about this. He's done. So I'll, I'll stay up here and be with him. But uh, have a seat there and tell us. Cliff has asked me to talk just a little bit about my past that he has known a little bit about. And... This valley of the shadow of darkness kind of kind of brings in, in into uh, perspective where I've been. What I'm about to tell you, every word is true. It is very personal to me and very intimate. I have not shared this story with very many people, and certainly not in a in a group like this. My goal is not to make you believe what I'm about to tell you, but to give you uh, some knowledge about what my journey has been. I have been literally taken into the arms of the great comforter of the Holy Spirit. I have lost two wives to death. My wife Susie was killed in a car wreck in June of 1994. My wife, Emily, died of cancer in July of 2010. Susie was director of marketing at Baptist Hospital. 
we did everything together. We skied together. We worked on our masters together. We graduated together. She was my whole life. She was someone that I trusted and I had confidence in. She was non-judgmental. I'm kind of impulsive. And she was kind of reserved and thought things through better than me. So we made a good team. My daughter, Julie, is 40 years old. In junior high, she was an honor student and a voracious reader. She played Class A fast pitch softball. And on that team, they annually would have a 105-game schedule in tournaments across the Midwest and the Southwest. They reached the national championship tournament several years in a row. Four of her teammates were on OU's national championship softball team in 2000. After a tournament in Iowa, Susie and Julie were headed to the Colorado mountains to meet, meet me at our place in Summit County. My other daughter, Margaret, was in Enid spending time with her grandmother. I was already in Colorado on business since I've been in the oil business since 1980. Driving across Nebraska, Susie fell asleep at the wheel on I-80. She rolled our Suburban four and a half times across the center median and was hit by an eastbound truck full of quarters from the Denver Mint. The accident not only killed Susie outright, it also in a sense took Julie from me as she incurred a traumatic brain injury as a result of the accident. Julie remained in intensive care at Kearney, Nebraska for over a month. She was medevaced back to Baptist Hospital here in Oklahoma City for a week. Baptist Hospital stabilized her and transported her, transported her downtown to Health South for a five-month stay for therapy until the end of 1994. Julie is at a place in Grand Junction, Colorado today that specializes in brain injury survivors, and she is happy. Sometimes the brain has a way of insulating itself from reality. I cannot explain the level of pain or shock of this event. My family was shattered. Susie's parents that lived here in Oklahoma City lost their only child and were seriously grieving. Margaret went through survivor's guilt. One night while tucking Margaret into bed, she asked me, why do we have to die? I told her, I don't know, but I absolutely know the same God that took care of you before you were born will take care of you after you are no longer walking on this planet. I was completely lost and left with so many questions. The grief was intense enough. I understand why sometimes people consider suicide. The night before Susie's services, I was alone with Susie in a room at Guardian North Funeral Home, completely distraught, completely dazed, completely confused, and completely and totally in grief. I literally did not know which way was up or down. Intoxicating, relaxing, 
waves with a depth of quality I've never experienced before literally started coming through the door of the room. After a brief time, I heard a voice say, everything is still okay. That's when the argument started. <laughs> oh my God, can't you see what's happened? Don't you? Nothing is okay. The voice repeated over and over until I accepted it and relaxed. That seemed to help give me strength for Susie's services, two services the next day, one at Westminster Presbyterian Church and one at the auditorium at Baptist Hospital. Both services were completely filled with people that knew and loved Susie, and it was an exhausting day. The fall of 1994, Susie's parents and I practically lived down at Health South, giving Julie encouragement for her th uh, hard work in therapy. Thanksgiving week, I loaded up Margaret and Molly, my golden retriever, and we went to our condo in Frisco, Colorado to take a break. Margaret and I skied very hard that week. While skiing one afternoon in one of Vale's back bowls, my upper thighs were burning, and I pulled up by the out-of-bounds to take a break. I became fixated on some pine trees, heavily laden with snow from a big snowstorm the night before, and these trees were framed with aspens on each side. A little gust of wind blew thousands of fiery diamonds illuminated by the sun towards me when they reached my face. They were not cold. The intoxicating, relaxing waves with the same quality I had experienced at Guardian North enveloped me again. I heard a voice say, I am with you. Oh, how I wanted to go wherever that had come from. Oh, how I wanted more. Oh, how I wanted to learn more about whatever had just happened. Just then, Margaret called out from down the slope, Daddy, are you coming? I looked down at her and yelled, yes, I'll be down in a minute. When I looked back, the trees were still there, the snow was still on them, but the event was over. I skied down to where Margaret was and asked her if she had seen what had just happened. And she said, no, Daddy, you were just standing there. Apparently, it was not for her to see. Emily came into my life the following year. She literally came into a very broken family and picked up the pieces and made them fit, though they were scotch-taped and glued together. And while things would never be the same, happiness still found its way back into our family. Emily had had lupus as a teenager. Her father was a do doctor and she was one of the few people ever to be cured of lupus. However, one of the drugs she was given had a predisposition for bladder cancer. In her late 40s, she contracted bladder cancer, and Emily died at 51. My wife, Lana, that's here today, knew both Susie and Emily. We've known each other for 26 plus years. And somehow, even though she knew a lot about me, 
she was still wanting to date me, and we got married. So he might want to feel sorry for her. The why questions. The why questions always come to the surface. How could a merciful and kind God allow this to happen? How? Why? Why did this have to happen? After years of counseling and reading, I've come to several conclusions. The why questions are invalid. They're invalid because they don't have an answer. The rabbi Harold Kushner, who wrote the book When Bad Things Happen to Good People, gives a story in one of his videotapes. There were no DVDs back in, in the 90s. He talks about a boulder rolling down a mountain. The boulder does not know if it's going to hit a good person's car, a bad person's car, or no car at all. Gravity is just pulling it down a mountain. Jerry Sister's book, A Grace Disguised, talks about growth through death. I would have thought that was a complete crazy statement prior to Susie's accident, but I've discovered it to be true. I have discovered there is gain through loss. All growth is painful, emotional, physical, mental. It's all painful. I have learned that God does not necessarily give you what you want, but you will always be given what you need. I've learned that when one door closes, there's literally another door that opens if you only have the guts to go through it. Sitting in a corner having a pity party can keep you from entering through that door of light, a door where light can dim and eventually go out if not taken advantage of. I have learned that you can run, but you cannot hide. A psychiatrist would say what I experienced was self-hypnosis. My reply to that is, you don't have a clue what I experienced. I have experienced the Holy Ghost. We are here to help take care of one another. We are here to grow. We are here to share in each other's joys, happiness, and griefs, and help support each other. My mom was an organ teacher. She was a church organist and a concert organist. And she always said, life is like a piano. You get out of it. What, how, however you play it. One of the daily devotionals that I, that I read is from Sarah, Sarah Young. And on the 8th of October, she wrote this. I love you with an everlasting love. The human mind cannot comprehend my constancy. Your emotions flicker and falter in the face of varying circumstances and you tend to project your fickle feelings upon me. Thus, you do, not believe, you, know, you do not benefit fully from my unfailing love. You need to look beyond the flux of circumstances and discover me grazing, gazing lovingly back at you. This awareness of my presence strengthens you as you receive and respond to my love. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let my love flow into you continually. Your need for me is as cons constant 
as the outflow of my love to you. Through everything that has happened in my life, I consider myself to be one of the most blessed people in the world. I have never felt closer to God than when I have been in the darkest valley, and I have literally been led by him. Praise be to God for his goodness, love, and kindness in the depths of darkness and grief. <clears throat> Oh, this was bad planning on my part <laughs> from the standpoint of how do you follow that? You don't. But we testify to the shepherd, the testimony that I'll fear no evil for you are with me. You know, the challenge for this is this. I think that sometimes when we hear testimonies, we think that God has to do that for us just like he did Philip. Okay, so I just want to put a little, little edge on this here for a second. Let God be present with you in a way that's meaningful to you. Okay? Don't demand that it has to be the same way. But in that same position of dependence, of reliance, of trust, to allow him to communicate himself. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Sometimes testimonies are, are, are difficult because we all may leave and think, well, that's what I want. When things happen to me, I want that to happen to me. This is where, again, God decides and determines how he's going to be present and how he's going to do it. And so, Philip, thank you. Uh, I knew this story, and he told me some time ago, and I thought at some point you need to hear it for two reasons. One is for us to be encouraged that if you're in a dark time, that this shepherd is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has he is no respecter of persons. He doesn't like Philip more than he likes you. He doesn't like you more than he likes Philip. He loves us all. And we simply have to be willing to allow him to communicate himself in the way that he determines to do that, right? So we're thankful. We're thankful that we can declare what? The incredible. You're with me. That's what he said, isn't it? Declare the incredible. You are with me. So I would just encourage all of us, whether it's we're in a valley right now, and you may be, or you're, in a, or you're approaching one or you're coming out. This is where, again, I think that we understand that it, bad things can happen, difficult things happen, but evil cannot get you. I just want you to turn in your Bibles real quick here just for a second to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, I want to show you this distinction here I think that Paul makes in this matter. 1135 of my, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy. It's just the next chapter, the next book. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, where Paul um, says in chapter 4, in 2 Timothy 4, um, Paul is in jail, and it's very likely he's going to be executed. Um, this is one of the last letters we believe that he ever wrote. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he said, At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me. There he is. Nobody was with me, nobody stood with me, but the Lord 
stood with me. You know, I, I don't know how that has, I don't know how that works for you. I know how it worked for Philip. I, I don't, I don't, I know how it works with me at times. I, I don't know how it works with you. I don't know, there, there's not a model here. There's not a standard by it. But he says, even in the midst of this difficulty, everybody deserted me, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Notice there, the evil deed is something that can't stop him from going to his eternal reward. This idea of the Lord will deliver me from evil. He'll protect us and guard us and keep us from evil that would disturb or cause our relationship with God to be disturbed or harmed. And so I, I, uh, I just, I just want to say this again. Uh, it's wonderful to hear testimonies, but please don't try to assume that God is going to do it with you the same way. Don't set that standard that God's got to act that way with you, that God has to do it that way for you. This is where I think in humility and in our willingness to be open just to say to God, I'll let you do however you want to do it. I'll let you communicate with me any way you want to. I'll let you let me know you're here any way you choose. It's up to you. Does that make sense for us to do that? For us to be willing to say, I'm, I'm willing for you to do that and be that for me. Thank you. Well, I want to move on here just for a moment. I, uh, uh, I talked to Eric here. This thing is in Branson now, found out that I will fear no evil. I will, I will fear no evil here. That, Paul, that David makes this other statement here. Why is that? I think it's this. To depend on the available. To depend upon the available. What does he say here that seems to be available? There at the verse 4. What is that there? His, the shepherd has a what? It's in the text. What? A rod and a staff. Depend on the available. Here I'm in this situation. I'm going to depend on God, what he has made available uh, to us or for us. Now, uh, when I think about this, I'm just trying to get our, our, our minds around this. When I think of what's available... I think of Apollo 13. <laughs> Remember that movie whenever, uh, and, and I'm amazed at a movie uh, that has Tom Hanks in it. Anyway, you know, when you can do a movie where it's you and a volleyball, <laughs> right? You're a pretty good actor. Pretty good actor, you and a volleyball, or you and three guys in an SUV hurtling through space. That's not a lot of range of an actor there. Remember, they, they had to make a filter, and they said, you're going to have to use what's available, not anything else. This filter on the left, we've got to make a square filter fit into this round hole. That, that idea of what's available. Well, what is available from God? First of all, this matter of the rod. The rod. I found out some things about this I didn't know beforehand. You may, you may know, or you may have some uh, understanding here, that the rod was used for protection. Now, I think I've got something here. Just hang with me here. <clears throat> um, <laughs> this was a picture I got off the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. Um, <laughs> do what? <laughs> you could put it on. Do not put that on the internet. <laughs> um, <clears throat> something weird happened. Uh, well, something weird happens at our house all the time. <clears throat> 
uh, I've tried to get Becky, when she walks Buddy, to carry this big flashlight. That's one of those big mag flashlights, you know, that you can put somebody's eyes out with. In fact, we had some kids stay with us one time. Uh, one of the, my colleagues at the university, when they had a tornado downtown, and or down south side, and there, he had two little boys and a dog, and I got worn out in 12 minutes. Uh, his son grabbed that mag flashlight, stuck it in my face, went, what's this? And I went, really, couldn't see. Yeah, Justin Key's here today. Go ahead and raise your hand, Justin. He did it. That's his boys. Yeah, they did it to me. I asked Becky to carry this thing because there are other dogs uh, in, our, in our neighborhood between the Green Belt and the, the Hefner obstruction, you know. <clears throat> Y'all remember that, right? Church of God people can't say damn under any circumstance. It's the Hefner Dam, but we call it the Hefner obstruction. There are coyotes that live back there. And scary coyotes. And so I said to Becky, carry that. Then I bought her this walking stick. It's over here in the left hand. Uh, and she never does. She never does. <clears throat> well, this morning at 2 a.m., I got awakened by a bunch of howling, yapping coyotes scary scary sound uh i i fear for what happened i mean i i think i know we got like a bunch of deer back there also and so this morning when i got up i said to becky now i'm going in the backyard with my rod and staff <clears throat> <clears throat> and so she's caught me <laughs> uh that is, because I, I'm, 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 the, the reason I'm going out there, because I, if there's a cat there, I'm telling you, that, that flashlight do some damage. Got to get a little closer than I want to get. But, uh, you know, uh, thought of a couple other things to take out there, but I was satisfied with that. Why? I'm going to protect Buddy. I told you Buddy's cute, didn't I? I'm going to protect him, Right? So, so the idea of, of, of this, of, of, of guarding, is guarding. Now, I don't want you to watch Buddy the whole time. <clears throat> Whoops. Is to guard. To guard. So, that, so we can have confidence. He says here, I fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this word, comfort. The Hebrew word comfort means to breathe deeply. You ever been in a stressful situation or tense and you do this? Whew, boy, that's over, right? I told my students, I can tell I'm old. Now when I go down to sit, up, sit down or get up, I make sounds. That's how you know you're old. Yeah, right? You saw, whew, oh. uh, anyway, uh, the word comfort in Hebrew means to sigh deeply or to, to breathe deeply. He's saying this. All this tension and all of this stress, I'm comforted. I, I can breathe out the tension. I can breathe out the fear, the anxiety. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was used by a skilled shepherd, obviously. I'm just reading what it says here, to drive off coyotes, wolves, cougars, and stray dogs. Now, David talks about whenever he was a shepherd that he killed a bear and a lion and may have used a, his a slingshot with that. But the, but the rod, if you will, is a, a guard protection. Uh, they're usually pretty short, and they're wielded with a lot of force. 
So he says, I don't fear evil because my shepherd can protect me. From what? From evil. From the evil one. Remember, Jesus said, my father's great all. Nobody can pluck you out of my father's hand. Come on. No one, no thing can take you away. No evil can take you away. No evil can withdraw you from the shepherd's care. No evil can mount an attack on you and take you down. And so the, the rod is for protection. There's something else I didn't know about this as I did some research, though. And the rod was also used to examine and count sheep. Now, it didn't mean they, you know, knocked them on the head, but he used it, the shepherd did, to count and to examine. What he would do, he would stop them and use the rod, smaller, and separate the wool and, and pull it and use it to separate it to check for injuries or for cysts or for parasites or any other thing. It was not only used, if you will, to guard in terms of defend, listen now, defend us, but also detect are there problems. The rod was used not only to defend, but to detect. Was there something wrong? Was there some disease or a wound or defect? It's the careful shepherd who examines and, and watches us and looks over us. If stop but the shepherd at the outstretched rod in order to detect, is there something there? And I, I, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, I'm glad that my shepherd not only defends me, but he detects if there's anything wrong. He wants to know. He wants to detect. Is there something, Cliff, that you need to deal with? Is there something that you need to address? Is there an injury, a wound, a problem? It's not just count you, but detect. Is there some issue or problem? He feels for any sign of trouble. He examines the sheep with great care using this rod to bring it across and to be able to detect, is there a problem or a difficulty with this matter? So the shepherd, if you will, he's willing to not only defend us, but he's also willing to detect, is there something going on here? My dad used to always say that uh, he felt like that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we might spend some time with the shepherd and say, okay, let's kind of review the day. Anything we need to deal with. My dad called that keeping short accounts with God. Keeping short accounts with God. I went to my doctor the other day because I had to. And uh, I told him, I said, there's a problem I'm having that I'm a little embarrassed about. And I'm not telling you, but uh, <laughs> it's not some of that. It, I mean, so it, I'm embarrassed from this standpoint. I've let it go. I've let this little problem go. And I'm thinking it may be a little more difficult now than it would have been had I dealt with it earlier. And he didn't seem to be too shook up. Uh, didn't bring any needles out yet. And, uh, but think about this. If the shepherd, we don't have to fear evil because the shepherd not only defends us, but detects what's going on. Let's deal with this quickly, Cliff. Let's not let this fester or grow or go on. Let, let's deal with this quickly. And so the sheep here have this great shepherd who has, if you will, this, uh, this uh, uh, rod that not only defends, but detects for us. So here's what I want to ask you. What if you determine this week to allow the shepherd to guard you by examination of a behavior, an attitude, etc., or by something that is evil? Remember, evil is spelled what? What is the word? 
evil live spelled backwards. Yeah. What if this week you determine, or I determine, we'll, we'll allow the shepherd to guard you by examining. We always know or understand God will fight our battles. We'll turn to him. He'll, he'll be our strong right arm. But are we willing to let him to detect? Is there something here, Cliff, that you ought to be taking care of or you ought to be allowing me to take care of? I'm going to finish this out on this one because the next one is this, the staff. The staff is to guide. I've got a neat little picture here, I think, of some uh, Middle Eastern uh, uh, shepherds. Notice the, the staff is, is a bit longer, and sometimes they have a little a crook or a hook at the end, and a shepherd will use that to guide or to pull a sheep back into the fold that's wandering away. The staff gives the sheep the confidence that he'll keep them together, that they won't wander off. The staff is also able to be used if a sheep gets kind of down in the rocks. They can use that hook and crook and bring them back up. It's always fascinating here, I think. You see this guy carrying this little lamb. There are a couple of theories perhaps here. One is that the lamb is tired or like that. Or shepherds will often, in guiding a sheep, carry them so they get used to the shepherd's voice. This little sheep's been wandering off. He doesn't, doesn't stay with the group. And, and, and you'll see shepherds sometimes pick them up, have their staff with them, but to pick them up to carry them because the sheep needs to get used to the shepherd's voice. So we're comforted. We let our air out, if you will, because we know there's a rod to defend us and a staff to guide us. Would you like to be guided by someone smarter than you are? Would you, I mean, would you like, yeah, these are dumb questions, but, yeah. but would you like to be guided by someone who has more experience than you have? Would you like to be guided by someone who genuinely wants the best for you? That's why we fear no evil, because your rod and your staff, you guide me. Here's how God might guide us, and we'll finish with this. He might guide you away from stuff instead of substance. Sometimes we think stuff's more important than the substance of life. Just keep accumulating. Just, just keep getting more, more stuff, more stuff. Or he might guide us that sometimes we want money more than meaning. We just have to be alert to that. Do we want to be guided? Do we want to be directed? Or status, maybe, more than service. I, I want to be seen as somebody important, or I want to... Instead of this, the, the shepherd wants to guide us to service. To say, that's where you'll be great. That's where you'll be wonderful. Uh, instead of money, meaning. Instead of substance, our stuff, substance. And then guide us power instead of purpose. Sometimes we just think, if I just had more power, that's what would make life great. Instead of purpose. Purpose. So here's what I want to ask us to do, or think about at least this week. With this shepherd, who's promised to be with us. Today, how do you need that? Do you need, as we said before, for the shepherd to maybe detect something? For you to be open to say, are there things here that maybe we ought to keep a short account on? Maybe some things we ought to talk about with the shepherd, keep a short account. Are there, are there things you're afraid of that you need to affirm again that God will protect you? He'll use his rod to protect you from evil, 
Do you need to believe that again? That, that this God, this shepherd, is willing to protect us and care for it? doesn't mean bad things won't happen. It means evil won't. Evil won't. Or third, if you will, do you and I need to be guided over here some? Is there something you could pick out here that might be specific to your own need for guidance? To say, am I really trying to have some substance in my life or just stuff? Am I really searching for meaning or just money? They're not mutually exclusive. You can have meaning and money, but you know what I'm talking about here. Or that I want status. I want people to think much of me. Or is it service I'm really after? Or is it power that I want to get my way instead of purpose? If we're led by the shepherd, his rod and his staff, they'll what? Comfort us. Let's pray for that comfort this week. Lord Jesus, you are the great shepherd. You're the great shepherd. We're thankful today for the way you led Philip through this difficult, dark valley. We know there are others that you have or are or will that you'll be with us wherever we are. Thank you for the testimony, for the reality, and may we walk with you in the midst of that, allowing you to meet our need as you see fit and as you know needs to be done. And then today, Lord, whether we need to be guarded or guided with the rod or the staff, would you help us to have the good sense, me, all of us here, that you are the good shepherd that we can trust and depend on and rely on. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen.